Hi, and welcome to another episode of Young Balanced Minds. My name's Dr. Kate Donoghue, and I'm a clinical psychologist who specialises in a therapy called cognitive behaviour therapy, also known as CBT. In this podcast, I invite children, teenagers, and young adults to share their mental health stories and also their experiences of trying CBT to help them with their particular difficulties. In today's episode, I'm talking to Rosie about her experience of anxiety. So Rosie, it's great to be talking to you today and thank you so much for agreeing to be interviewed and particularly on um, a very hopeful, warm spring day in Bristol. (laughs) Fingers crossed. So Rosie, can you say a little about your anxiety and how you first noticed it might be a problem for you? Yeah, sure. So my anxiety started when I was in sixth form. So doing A-levels, it would be year 12 and 13, really. And it was all tied in to sort of the stresses of school and doing A-levels, but also social situations as well, which is where I noticed it more. And I didn't really recognise what was happening and how I was feeling until it sort of reached a level that was quite really impacted sort of everything and every day. Okay. How was it actually affecting you? You said it was impacting you like every day. Are you able to give some examples? Yeah, so it would be very controlling of the way I saw everything. So it was my mindset really changed. I became quite, it was a very negative filter over everything I thought about and everything I did. It was very... um linked in with being very self-critical and just basically negative about everything and a bit sort of detached from rational thinking and looking at reality in a more reasonable way. And yeah, it got to the stage where very mundane everyday things were quite overwhelming and it was difficult to cope with any sort of situation that I'd particularly stressed in. And how was your body telling you that you were overwhelmed and anxious? What what were the physical signs for you? Yeah, so I definitely really had a lot of physical symptoms really of my anxiety and that's where I first really noticed it. And the first, the big one was I'd blush a lot and I'd go very red and <clears throat> very sort of hot and shaky and I'd often feel like I might be sick. It was, yeah, it was um, really get really prominent or obvious to me physical symptoms of how I was feeling. And that also sort of snowballed into being more aware of how I was coming across and really focused my attention inwards a lot of the time. Yeah, and that was a big part of it, being sort of very self self-absorbed in a way and self-critical. Sounds like quite a large component of your anxiety was very socially related, you know, the social situations of when you feel very self-conscious and your attention is focused inwards. Were there other times when maybe in situations which weren't necessarily 
social, you were still feeling anxiety or was it mainly in social situations, would you say? It was definitely mainly in social situations and that's where it sort of started because I guess at the time everyone was really stressed about A-levels and it was, a, you know, that was a, a very universal feeling as with my age group and, you know, my friends. But then I'd started to notice that I was also getting these feelings when I should be relaxing with my friends or doing something that I usually really enjoy. And then when it got to the stage uh, just before I'd started to have CBT, it was affecting everything. So it was affecting my concentration in, in school and particularly just the inward lookingness of it <laughs> that I couldn't properly focus really on anything other than what was inside which was obviously quite quite challenging when trying to revise for something or take an exam. So the anxiety really hijacking your attention it it sounds as if you were kind of really at the mercy of it did it actually stop you doing anything? Um, It did towards sort of closer to the end of year 13 it was stopping me going to school I couldn't stay in school for a whole day I'd sort of go home in my freeze and leave early and I I couldn't stay in the exam hall to do my mocks and social it's completely stopped my social life and um, sort of relationships with people around me really debilitating Mm. so so what made you decide to try CBT and at, at what point did you think it might be helpful to get support? Well, it's difficult because it's going to be very different for everyone. But for me, it was my mum who suggested I I get some help or to try and sort of get through this. Because at the time when I was in it, I, I didn't know what anxiety was. I didn't know what really was going on. And I guess that was a big part of what I was how I was mentally that I didn't, I couldn't really look rationally at anything. So I couldn't take it very seriously in that sense. So I think I'd left it a bit late to start dealing with it. Not that it meant that I couldn't, but it just meant that it went on longer. (laughs) So I think, yeah, the point of which you want to get help is going to be different to everyone, but just the earlier the better, just to stop yourself having to deal with it for longer than you're going to have to. <laughs> I think that's really good advice. And you decided to try CBT rather than another model of counselling or, or therapy. And I'm curious, what made you gravitate towards CBT rather than something different? I think the main thing was that CBT seemed like a really productive option that would really tackle it, I don't want to say quickly, but productively. And as a, yeah, as a form of therapy, it would have been really sort of interesting. And well, I guess when I, I first started, I thought, it, I thought it was really interesting and sort of educational as well, learning about what actually was going on and how my thoughts were making me feel things and how my feelings were affecting my mood and then my mood affected my behaviour. And I think that's what really drew me to it because also tied up with my own guilt of, you know, I don't deserve therapy. I don't, I shouldn't be doing this. Someone else needs this. I'm just, just a 
finding it a bit difficult, but so is everyone. So the thought of also doing CBT was partly that actually it wasn't all to do with that. It wasn't it wasn't just talking. It was really learning and getting to the bottom of things, I think. And I, I think you're right. You know, a lot of people do tend to choose CBT because because of those very reasons, I think, because it is focused, it is time limited and it's working together, isn't it, in a very structured way and very yeah. focused on the goals that, that you want to achieve. So how how was it? Um, I, I don't know how long you were in CBT for, how many sessions you had, but, you know, the whole experience of CBT, what was that like? Yeah, it was, well, it was just firstly really interesting it was really interesting to learn about firstly what anxiety was what actually I was dealing with because I had no idea when I first went yeah I had no idea what that consisted of how it was controlling my behavior quite often but I think I did six sessions before the lockdown so the first lockdown in March and then that completely changed sort of everything it, I lost all the stresses of life that I was experiencing so that yeah massively changed how I needed CBT whereas I picked it up then later again when the lockdown eased and I think that when I first started CBT I was at a state where sort of everything was really overwhelming and I was very on edge all the time and basically self-absorbed. So you had six sessions and then you came back to it a bit later on. And mm. I think that's really interesting because six sessions doesn't actually sound very long, actually. But it was obviously enough for you at the time and that was sufficient to make some changes that you wanted to make. What made you then decide to come back and have some further CBT sessions? What was happening at that stage? When I'd stopped my first sort of round of sessions was when the lockdown was announced and it basically just, yeah, it had changed everything and, you know, the world completely changed. Whereas when lockdown started to ease and social situations were becoming more every day and more things had started up and I'd started to get some of the same feelings and some of the same symptoms and started to struggle again with anxiety and particularly panic when I'd got a part-time job at a local bakery and it had started to get really difficult again. So that's when I decided to pick it up again for the second time because it also felt I. I hadn't quite finished where I'd left off, so it didn't feel very complete. Yeah, that's when I picked it up again. I was wondering if lockdown, in a way, had brought almost like a premature ending to your CBT mm. sessions at that stage, and had it not been for lockdown, and I know it's very difficult, power of hindsight and all of that, but... Do you think you may have continued beyond the six sessions had it not been for lockdown? Yeah, definitely. That was that was the reason really that I'd stopped because everything had stopped. So what I was getting anxious about was school and social situations and 
they didn't exist anymore in life. So that was really the main, the main thing. And it was difficult when you're not in that situation to make a productive change because a lot of it's sort of working with examples of this is how I felt in this situation. How can we deal with that? How can we go back to the thoughts and look at thought processes? Because that all that all disappeared and it's it was quite difficult to work with sort of examples of feeling anxious. And then, so that's, yeah, when I picked up again was when I'd had more sort of exposure, I guess. Yeah, that really makes sense. Are there any particular tools or, or strategies that you found particularly helpful or indeed particularly challenging to implement whilst you were doing your CBT? Yeah, so I think initially the first thing that was the, the biggest step was to really like acknowledge what was going on. So to talk about anxiety and what that meant and what I was sort of dealing with. Yeah, what might be causing these thoughts and feelings and accepting that. And I think that's probably a big step with any mental health problems or um, challenges that just the recognition that what you're going through isn't you if that makes sense it's it's something else which yeah I think that that can be difficult especially when you're in it and when you're going through these thoughts and you're in this mindset that can be a really big thing that was um important though an important strategy to start with and then another thing that I found really useful and still use now and I think I will do for as long as I I need to is um grounding techniques so what I remember was list five things you can see there's four things you can hear there's three things you can smell you know etc and although that's seems maybe quite simple and I remember first trying it and going this isn't helping what's this doing I'm getting more stressed thinking about it it's too much to do it was actually the more I did it the better I got at doing it. And it, for me, really drew my attention and my focus away from myself and inwards and towards my surroundings and life that I was not really seeing at the time. Yeah, just observing what was going on around me, so grounding and really just brought me back to... Um, where I was sat and I think that was really important as well another one was um dealing with physical symptoms as well as something uh, I'd really experienced physical signs of how I was feeling so going red or feeling sick or not sleeping and such a helpful thing a helpful tool for me to deal with that was being able to really accept that that's what was going to happen, that that's just, I have no control over how my body reacts to something. And I need to not you know, put any pressure on myself to avoid it. Cause I, I'd spent so much time trying to just suppress 
any physical symptoms. So just really pushing back any thoughts and getting immediately angry at myself when I would show, you know, when I would blush or anything. And it was a really good sort of example. It was a little cartoon of people on a plane and the pilot having passengers in the back that were noisy and unhelpful and rude and causing all this turmoil and you can't tell them to be quiet because they're not going to be they're going to get angrier and you need to just be able to accept that they're there and accept that you can't get rid of them you just need to live with them and I think that was a massive thing for me to to not get so frustrated and self-critical when I would experience a physical reaction to something and it really helped me deal with them because I, I wouldn't get into the same level of panic I think. They sound like some fantastic strategies and, and strategies that you've remembered and and you still apply I'm particularly struck by how your relationship with anxiety seems to have changed and that coming into CBT, the way you describe it is you really wanted to resist your anxiety. You wanted to push it away. You really didn't like the way it was making you feel. In fact, it sounds a little bit like you kind of really hated it and Mm. It resulted in you being very self-attacking and self-critical if you couldn't manage the anxiety. But there's something about taking the focus away from that, I guess, into your external surroundings, as you mentioned, but also that acceptance commitment therapy, very much about, I mean, not necessarily, well, I guess it is about befriending your anxiety, but it's moving towards the anxiety and accepting it for what it is, rather yeah. than trying to change it, resist it, make it different. And paradoxically, that that has made a huge difference, I think, to the way you view your anxiety and the way you manage your anxiety. Yeah, definitely. And it's something that has been completely transformative and it's something that I'll now use forever and yeah I can really see how it's changed my mindset amazing amazing I also love the way that you talk about that training your attention and Mm. how initially when you started it you thought this isn't going to work but the value of practicing it and staying with it and how it is like training a muscle. It's like an attention muscle. And the yeah. more you train it to move from that internal focus to an external focus, how powerful that can be. Mm, I really had to push that and really force it. And yeah, it was really worth it. And it just got easier and easier until I wasn't having to think you know, consciously about, I'll use this tool now. But I could notice that, God, I've, I'm so, I feel very detached from everything here that I, I can notice that my attention is very inwards and I need to you know, turn that around. I'm interested how that might have impacted on the type of thoughts you were having as well. 
I guess what what I mean by that question is I I suppose when our attention is focused inwards, the thoughts are very much around focusing on your feelings and taking your feelings as a gauge of how other people might be viewing you and seeing you and everything is magnified. And whether there was, you noticed any change in in the content or the nature of your thinking as you learned to direct your attention outside of yourself? Uh, Yeah, it was the attention that really determined how I viewed things. So when I was very absorbed in my own head and my own thoughts, they were always very negative and I'd catastrophize and I'd predict and I'd think people were viewing me for something I wasn't and I was you know I'd get paranoid about how I was coming across and it was all to do with me and how it was it was being self-critical is basically it was putting myself down because of where my attention was whereas it's that turning it round that I'd slowly start to realize that I was catastrophizing things and I was predicting how people would act and how people would view me and how I how I came across how I looked and yeah it was it was amazing how these things were really my thoughts and I could direct them to where would be the most rational and less the least self-critical if yeah if that makes sense to make me much happier and more relaxed. Sure. I I know that some young people with social anxiety, what they share is that when they start to focus their attention away from themselves and outside, one of the things they notice is that thought of people are looking at me. It's very difficult to challenge Mm. that thought, I think, if your attention is focused inwards. But what people often share is when they start to focus it outside of themselves, the thought is challenged because they can actually witness for themselves and see that people Mm. aren't actually looking at them, (laughs) that actually people are just getting on with their their own lives or doing their own thing. And I I wondered whether that was an experience for you, Rosie. Yeah, definitely. I think just how you view the world around you is just you know, massively impacts how you view yourself. So if you're, yeah, if you're looking towards yourself and thinking about yourself all the time, you're going to think everyone around you is thinking about yourself, about you. And you're going to think that everything is about you (laughs) in a sort of, you know, you you think about someone being self-obsessed in a quite a positive way, you know, the love themselves too much whereas it can be obviously the other way of it's very negative and everything is putting yourself down in a different way from a different angle whereas yeah look, looking around it was just realizing that you could you could actually observe what was going on and it would prove the opposite whereas when you're looking in the evidence you're giving yourself is proving your own thoughts and it's giving evidence for those feelings of I look awful, I'm going red, and everyone's looking at me. Yeah, it's, it's like maintaining the anxiety, isn't it? It feels like such a mm-hmm. an understandable natural thing to do 
when someone is feeling threatened in a social situation, the normal response, I guess, is to protect yourself. And that is, I think, often about turning your attention inwards and making sure you're okay. And mm. it actually makes makes things worse rather than better. Mm, it's a bit of a sort of instinct. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So how's your anxiety now? Well, completely different to how it was. As in, my mindset is completely different. The My relationship with myself is completely different to what it was. It was, it's transformed a lot. Um, and where, where it was impacting sort of every day beforehand, it doesn't at all because I can, I have the tools and the strategies from the CBD, CBT to tackle it and to really sort of get to the bottom of things. And I feel very, you know, quite independent in how I can deal with it as well. It's not a scary thing at all for me. And obviously it's easy to say it's gone. I'm completely, completely how I was before or, uh, yeah, it's not a problem at all because of course it is. And it, it is for everyone because everyone deals with feelings of anxiety and stress and they'll always be there it's how you can deal with them and how you think about them and I'm not scared of it at all it is it's something that I have completely accepted about myself and that was such a big thing in preventing it ever getting to the stage it was of permanent panic and feeling anxiety about everything whereas you're always going to feel stressed about things but it doesn't have to control it doesn't have to control you in the way it, it has the power to sometimes <laughs> that's great it's like finding a way of, of not being scared of feeling scared isn't it it's anxiety about anxiety that appears to have yeah. really shifted for you in such a, a powerful way. Mm, I mean, it sounds crazy, the, the, the thought of worrying about worrying, but that's basically what it was. And I'd worry that I'd get, in, get into a state of panic about something and that would send me into the state of panic. <laughs> it was, yeah, counterproductive worrying. Yeah, <laughs> so almost like triggering your own panic, <laughs> the very mm. thing that you're, you're wanting to avoid. That's fantastic, Rosie. I, I was wondering with all you know, the experience and what you've shared today, whether you have any top tips or advice for other young people that may be struggling in the way that you've struggled. Yeah, well, I think the main thing, like, like I just said, was to really be able to accept that you're going to be anxious about things. And for me, the more I started to do that, the more I started to realise this is who I am. And the fact that I'm worrying about something is not a bad thing. It's, it shows that I want to do as well as I can or I don't want to let anyone down. I just really care about things. And that's an amazing thing. That's not a something to put yourself down about or get angry at yourself for 
because that's gonna make everything a lot harder if you can't be kind to yourself at the same time so it would be just to listen to it and feel those feelings and get those physical symptoms you know blush all you want and be be really kind to yourself because that's the best thing you can do to accept and welcome these feelings and know that it's because you care and you're a good person and you're worrying is a good thing and to view it in a positive way is going to really help I think but it really helps me <laughs> wow I couldn't have said it better myself it's th- th- that's amazing advice really really great tip Rosie it's been great to hear about your experiences today and how CBT has been able to help um, in some way in supporting you making those changes. And it really does sound very transformative. Thank you so much for joining us. It's really appreciated. No, thank you very much. Yeah, thanks, Rosie. This podcast is called Young Balanced Minds, and it's just one in a series of podcasts covering a lot of the mental health problems experienced by many children and young people. I put some links in the show notes to different resources. It's important to say, though, that if you're listening to this and you feel you're struggling, please reach out and get the support you need from friends, family, or if needed, from professionals. We do hope that you listen to the next podcast in a couple of weeks' time. And if you have any ideas for future episodes, please let me know by dropping me an email at info at Finally, if you've enjoyed listening to Young Balanced Minds, please like us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you may listen to your podcasts. In the meantime, thanks for listening. Stay safe, everyone. Take care and stay well.